Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the NFL Scotland podcast and we've got less than 100 days until the 2019 season begins. My name is Cameron And my name is Paul Mitchell. The season is coming around quickly. We've got much to discuss. We've had some feedback that we've been bereft of some Bengals chat. We're fixing that tonight. Indeed we are. Season tickets have been bought. Ticketmaster has crashed and at the time of recording the Spurs scramble is still to come. We'll be chatting over all your latest comments about tickets. We're going to be touching a little on playing the sport here in the UK and we'll hear from one team who are recruiting right now. And a man who has played the sport in Scotland, a member of the NFL Scotland team is Ian Stephen. Ian joins us tonight. Ian, thanks for coming along. You have played a little bit. We're going to talk about that more, but for people who perhaps haven't come across you, your position and team that you played for. Um, I was a tight end when I played Kitted for the Strathclyde Hawks and I played centre when I played uh, flag football for the Lancashire Steelers and the Kokodi Bulls. And nice, covers both bases there as well, contact and flag, the two growing sports here in the UK. But we touched on there in the intro that we've had feedback that we've not been talking enough about the Bengals. In fact, one regular listener, Scotty, uh, sent me a message to point out that in 53 episodes thus far, we've mentioned the Bengals twice, he reckons. I'll tell you what, that's twice more than I thought. (laughs) So I've spent the last couple of days going, how on earth can we get the conversation round to the Bengals? Especially when this is a podcast and we do it from a Scottish point of view. And then I remembered Kazakhstan and I remember that pitiful feeling of utter disappointment and dejection because really you should be doing better, but you walk away with a horrible defeat that tastes badly in the mouth. And I immediately thought of the Bengals. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to go through the teams that we don't think necessarily going to finish at the top. In fact, no, we're going to start discussing who we think is going to be at the bottom. And at the end of this conversation, we're going to commit on record now who's picking one, two and three in the 2020 draft in Las Vegas next year. It's pretty good. Now, what done a little bit of research on this, and surprisingly, when you look at it, I've looked at 2016, 2017, and 2018, the bottom three teams each time, AFC and NFC, the Bengals actually don't appear. I mean, the Bengals are almost cursed because of their averageness. Yeah, they've got a, an average quarterback. Um, they had a kind of average kind of bland coach who's kind of moved on now so the, the new coach that's coming in there um i want to say zach efron for some reason but it's, You're half it's, right. it's definitely not zach efron um, zach taylor zach taylor it's it's going to be a kind of interesting season for them because they do have a smattering of talent aj green's an excellent receiver gino atkins is an excellent defensive tackle but they don't have enough talent to really propel them into the upper echelons. I don't think they're woeful enough to um, kind of slip into the, the kind of first pick uh, conversation. Like the only way that would happen if Andy Dalton went down with a season-ending injury. So they are kind of stuck in this kind of blandness. It, it really what the franchise kind of is, the Browns' ownership, they're seen as a very kind of conservative ownership. They don't splash out in free agency a lot. They're not a kind of wheeling-dealing franchise in, in the trade market. They, they are, they're, they're kind of beige. They, they should be renamed the Cincinnati Beige. <laughs> the Beige <laughs> Bengals. <laughs> yeah, do you know, I, I remember discussing this, and I know we discussed the Bengals at least once, because I've said this before on the pod. I think that the Bengals suffer from injuries more than any other team and not season ending injuries but 
constant niggling injuries. AJ Green is a player that, you know, if you pick him up in fantasy football, you know you've got him for four or five weeks and then he's going to be ropey. He's going to be questionable every single week. His turf toe repeatedly comes back. Now they've gone and got themselves a really good running back in Joe Mixon, but they've got the same problem where Mixon was carrying loads of ankle knocks and things like that. Dalton has had time out. They've never had decent backups. And I think that if you look at their starting lineup, especially on offense, Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, um, obviously Dalton Mixon, that's pretty decent. But even Tyler Eifert, who was a great tight end, the horrible injuries he's had, they've never been able to maintain any kind of sustained period of having all those players. Also, uh, Vontez Perfect as well, because he had the succession of uh, concussions and he was arguably the kind of the, the impact player on, on defence for yeah, them. Totally. And it's... I don't think they're bad. I think that they lack depth and they suffer a lot of injuries. And I think that ultimately their season pans out because of that more than anything else. I think if you look at the the starting roster is pretty good. There's definitely places they could upgrade in, of course. Um, and they definitely do need a tight end to come in there because I don't think Tyler Eifert's going to really come back. But um, definitely need more depth Uh wide receiver, you know, the backups, Josh Malone and Alex Erickson. Now, Alex Erickson showed flashes. Um, John Ross has never turned out to be the player that we hoped he was going to be. A great pace, fine, but just never quite done it. Um, people thinking more and more of him, perhaps. But they've also let good players go on. Um, and you look at Mohamed Sanu and the success that he's gone and had at the Falcons. Actually, Sanu's the sort of player that they, they would have done well to keep. Um, so I wonder if that's possibly come into play. You said yourself they're a conservative ownership, maybe too conservative. I say this out of love for the Bengals and not just to be nasty, but if you look at Marvin Lewis in his 16 seasons there, regular season 131-122-3. All time as the coach, and this is where it gets interesting, 131-129-3. and three. <laughs> So, obviously, the playoffs, 0-7, and, and that's the Achilles heel. Nobody, after the first two or three losses, believed that they would win a playoff game. And once that hangs around your neck, that becomes almost impossible because the Bengals had that reputation as it doesn't actually matter what they do regular season because they're always going to be near the playoffs because, you know, they were well coached, you know, good players as you spoke about, but nobody actually believed they would win a playoff game. Now, the NBA Finals are on at the moment. The Toronto Raptors are in the NBA Finals and they suffered from a very similar thing. A talented enough team in the regular season, but nobody would believe they'd ever get through. Constant first round losses. Finally, they've made a breakthrough. And it sometimes just takes that once to make the breakthrough to allow you to continue. What puzzles me is, and as good a coach as he was, they held on to him for far too long because once you get that air around you of, well, it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season, you're not going to win anyway, that seems to permeate its way through the organisation. That's what it looks like to me. It's a good point. What numbers do you associate with Jeff Fisher? Seven and nine. Yeah, or eight and eight. Eight yeah, and eight, yeah. seven and nine. That's that's what he is, and that's synonymous with who he was now. I don't think that necessarily is his career, but that's what you remember him by. No, I, good points. And the, the, the changing factor there is the new head coach. I think that we'll probably all agree on this one, that if the Bengals stay fit and the new head coach comes in with some good ideas, the Bengals aren't going to be anywhere near that number one pick next year. Uh, I don't think so. I mean... 
a te- any team that's got a fight song called the Bengals Growl, I think deserves to <laughs> deserves to be there. Can you, can you sing it for us? It's it's one of my favourites actually. If you if you give me a, if I only had my music with me, but, but perhaps on the next episode. Um, can, can I just state, sorry, that whenever the Packers score a touchdown and they play that horrible organ music that just does my head in so much it's the only thing I don't like about the Packers they're a very nice franchise I, I like their story I just hate that song when they whenever they score a touchdown well, well do you know they actually let off fireworks every time that Cleveland win and they saved so much money for a couple of seasons it was incredible <laughs> <laughs> That, that's my segue out, out of them in, into the Browns. So if you look at it, the Browns, 2016, we probably know this, the AFC, 1 and 15, worst. Browns, 2017, 0 oh and 16. They got out the bottom three last year, which we know. Which So when we're talking about who's going to be the worst teams, sometimes history will tell you, you know, a couple of times, but you can make a significant jump. If you've got the right talent, and I think what it probably says about the Browns is they were just so poorly mismanaged for so long. But now everybody's talking about the Browns. Everybody's excited about the Browns. So if I flip back to the Bengals, who have been average, 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 when was the last time you were excited about the Bengals? I I haven't ever been. Jerome Simpson, when he did the flipping touchdown catch against the Cardinals. Uh, that got me on my feet. And that was the Bengals. Icky Woods, the shuffle. Yeah, that, yeah the, the, the shuffle. shuffle. Uh, you, you had that. Um, you had that season where Carson Palmer was fantastic. I, I think that was the season where he suffered that brutal knee injury in the the playoffs. Uh, I, I'm still not convinced that that the Steelers players should have been probably asked never to play in the NFL again. I, I, I think that was that was atrocious. And it, it, it destroyed his career effectively, the the Bengals. They they were looking really good at that point. He he was looking like an incredibly talented player. They went downhill. The the second season perhaps that Dalton came in, they had that kind of positivity. People still believed in him before he, he got them on and could have never been able to win in the playoffs. That was maybe the last times where it felt that they really had a lot of momentum that that's in the season but i think so we can agree there's definitely some positives to be taken from the bengals i think there's I mean you've only got to go back a few seasons i mean they were a playoff team 2009 2011 2012 2013 2014 2015 now coming out of the division they do that's pretty impressive but i think they fell off the cliff uh, 2016 2017 and i think 2018 was a waste for them. I think they should have made that coaching change. Like everybody was expecting it. There's a lot to be said for loyalty and I do get that. But you know, I just think he won the division twenty fifteen, had a couple of seasons where it didn't work. Thank you very much. Off you go. So let's take a look then at some of the other teams that might be in contention for the worst team in the twenty nineteen NFL season. And there there are a few contenders here. Um Injuries as well could bring the Redskins into this conversation. I think that, you know, if you look at receiving core, there's not a lot of talent there. Um, I think that at running back, you've now got an ageing Adrian Peterson, Chris Thompson, who's very injured, uh, Darius Guise, who was obviously completely injured last season with a horrible knee injury, uh, Bryce Love, who's got knee problems. Uh, you know, who's going to be starting at quarterback? And maybe that's the one uh, thing to be interested in. Does Dwayne Haskins come in and rip it up? Is he as good as some people make him out to be? Or is it going to be Case Keenum's team? Or is 
is Colt McCoy still going to be the man in charge? Is it still his team to lose? I think that that's the key factor when you're looking at the team that, that's going to go 0-16 or 1-15. You're, you're looking at the, the signal caller. And I think Washington, along with Miami, are the, the teams with the, the biggest initial issues going into the season. Um, I think that Case Keenum is probably going to be starting for Washington. But after the fifth or sixth game, there's going to be a groundswell to get Haskins playing. I'm still not convinced that Haskins is going to be a great player in the NFL. Um, and for Miami, they've got Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen in a, a, a battle. But the other than their secondary, Miami are terrible. Uh, the, the kind of joke was before the draft that they were deliberately trying to tank. They wanted to go in 16 and they could choose the, the quarterback coming out next year that they want and a, a very, very good class next year. Um, but I think out of, the, out of the two teams that are kind of battling, I think Miami might just be the favourite to, to end up with the worst record. Yeah, and so let's come on to Miami then. And actually, the, as ever with the AFC East, there's a few of these teams could play into contention for this one. But um, Miami, the question mark there is going to be who's starting week one at quarterback. Is it going to be Josh Rosen or is it going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick? But even then, there's questions around, well, whoever it is, who are they throwing to? Um, I think you've got to start Josh Rosen. I mean, you've traded for him. He's got experience of starting, so you play him. If he's a dumpster fire, you go to the experienced guy. I think that's the way they've got to go. They are not going to be contending. I don't see the point of playing Fitzpatrick. I love Fitzpatrick. He's great, apart from beating the Saints on opening day last year. He's a great guy to have. We've seen him in hard knocks and things, but I don't see any potential benefit to Miami to play him. I think Paul's actually struck upon a fantastic idea of setting the quarterback on fire <laughs> and then watching and see what happens. <laughs> They'd run faster. Can I, j just to give us some more context before we drop back into, you know, the, the teams this year, let's look at the teams who have failed in the last few years. So if you look at the AFC, I mentioned the Browns. This was a surprise to me and it probably shouldn't have been. A team who have been in the bottom three, 2016, 2017, 2018. So they've been there 2016 and 2018. The worst in the AFC, Jacksonville. Now, Okay, they had the 3-13 and season in 2016. Everybody expected them to bounce back with the talent level. They did so in 2017, but they were 5-11 in 2018. And that was a team that was expected, you know, to falling short of the championship game was a disaster for them. That's why they brought in Foles. But there's no guarantee that Foles is going to be able to turn it around extensively either. There's going to be a run... First team, I think, um, still. And Foles is incredibly streaky. He can, If he's not having a good start to the season, I mean, he's, he's going to get pulled. Um, they, they could well struggle again. I don't think it was a false position last season. I think they got the, the most out of their quarterback the year before where nobody believed it was going to happen. And the kind of um, the situa situation that the Ravens had when they got to the, the Super Bowl... Uh, with Trent Dilfer. Um, so you could well be looking again at um, the Jaguars struggling if they don't get off to a quick start with Foles. 
interesting on last year, the one thing about the Jags that they and run first, but they spent a lot of that season without Leonard Fournette. Um, who had been a big player for them the season before, was getting the ball punched in inside the red zone. And that's something that they just lacked uh, as a capability last year. So many point, uh, games, they're relying on the kicker to, to get the three points. Um, he came back and his head was down. He ended up getting suspended for getting involved in the fight against the Bills. And he's, his head wasn't in it. Now, there's been question marks about him and whether or not he's going to be there. There's question marks about Jalen Ramsey and a, a lot of big characters in that team. Again, if Fournette comes back fit and he's got his head screwed in, then I think they will be competitive again. If not, there's nobody really there to kind of pick up the mantle and, and do that much behind them. See, to pick up on a point you made, Cameron, one you made, Ian, because I think you were both right you listed all the various factors that can contribute to a season. The one that you missed out, you've just actually covered. And, and it can be quite a serious injury, the huff. And we've seen that with many of the stars. If somebody takes the huff and doesn't want to play, there there you've got. You also mentioned about the, the, the signal caller. If you go to 2017, the two worst teams, aside from the Browns in the AFC, were the Texans and the Colts, simply because they lost their quarterback. And that's the difference. That shows you the drop-off that you can have if your main man goes. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that. And I've actually got a list of who I think is in trouble if their guy goes down. So you get the Bills with Mark Bar- uh, Matt Barkley backing up Josh Allen. The Jets, Trevor Simeon backing up Sam Darnold. And the Jets are not great to start with. Yeah. Uh, the Texans, they've got AJ McCadden um, backing up Watson. The Jags have got Tanner Lee and Gardner Minshew. It's interesting. I mean, you, you go down that list and you think, who would I want, you know, who would I genuinely want to step in out of that lot? I mean, AJ McCarron is the one that's possibly got the most about him, although he's, he has failed to perform. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be excited by him, but I think if you were going to rate that that list, I think they're in, at least in a better position than some. I think the Jets, I mean, it's, it's Darnold or Bust. Well, you also had the situation last season with the 49ers when Garoppolo went down, and they've not done anything to rectify that because Nick Mullins is not going to be a season saver really for the, the Niners. Um, and uh, for Tampa Bay, Blaine Gabbert's backing up Jameis Winston. So those are teams that could be in serious trouble if their man goes down. But you've also got a situation where some teams are just bad. Tampa. Well, is it, well, exactly. See, before you go into that list, I think Tampa are in trouble even with Jameis Winston. So you're talking about Blaine Gabbert backing him up. I think they've got problems. I think they'll do really well on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm seeing very little. I, I'm not a big Jameis Winston fan, and that's not because I'm a Saints fan. I'm just not a big fan of his. And I, I've got real concerns there. And I think... The only thing that might save him, I think he's got one season under Bruce Arians, and if he doesn't perform, he's gone. Yeah, I think Arians is going to be tough on him. But Arizona as well, the, the, the quarterback's basically going to spend the entire season just running around for his life. <laughs> Their offensive line is terrible. He could be the hide-and-seek champion of the NFL in 2019. Basically, basically, uh, Miami have already touched on. The Giants aren't great. They had a, a bad season last year. I mean, Saquon Barkley, obviously, is a, a great player, but they've lost uh, Adele Beckham. They lost him last season, and they struggled for wide receivers. And Oakland as well. I mean, Oakland are not great. They have added some players, but... It's huge transitional. 
and you've got to build team bonding in there. And there's a lot of characters now in in Oakland. And now the Raiders like their characters. Um, but if Derek Carr can build a link with Antonio Brown, they'll do all right. If Jacobs turns out to be a NFL standard running back, they'll do all right. But um, yeah, it's I, the Raiders are a tough one. I think they've they could really boom or bust. And they're the hardest one to sort of prejudge on this one, I think. I've got a couple of wild cards as well. Um, I think the Minnesota Vikings could be in trouble this season. Uh, I don't think Kirk Cousins is the quarterback they thought he was going to be coming in. Um, they've lost some players in defence. I, I, I just think their bubble started to burst a little bit. I think losing that championship game to the Eagles, I, I think that um, I think that took a lot of wind out of their sails. Um, and also, I think the Seahawks might be in a bit of trouble as well. Russell Wilson's the man for them. He's on a massive, massive contract. But they've declined in defence. They've lost every single member of the Legion of Boom's gone now, hasn't it? Uh, KJ Wright and um, their other linebacker, who is great, whose name Bobby escapes Wagner. me, Bobby Wagner. They're starting to age a bit. I think Wagner's still good, but I think KJ Wright I think struggled with injuries last season. They lost Frank Clark um, on the defensive line. I think you might actually see the Seahawks starting to struggle next season. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I was very impressed with the Seahawks last year because, again, we probably would have had this conversation at that at this time that they didn't look particularly great. There's perhaps the stability with Pete Carroll, but how often There's can also you work four gimmies in that division against the? Terrible Cardinals and 49ers. So they benefited, I would say, a little bit from the two really terrible teams in that division. But again, but they still it, did well. They still did well. Yeah, they, they, they still did okay. I mean, I think it's such a quarterback driven league. You know, Kyler Murray, as I say, I think he'll be running for his life most, most of the season. But you look at the teams, there's not many teams that you would look at and say, okay, if they lost their quarterback, they'll be okay. I mean, the Saints have got Teddy Bridgewater, who's serviceable and sitting in behind. Uh, you know, you touched on the Giants. If Eli goes down... Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Now, that is boomer bust football without yeah. any oh, doubt. The Broncos have got Flacco and they've also got Drew Locke. I thought the, the Carolina Panthers aren't too bad because if Newton goes down, they've got um, Will Greer, who I think is going to be a good player. Uh, they, they've got um, some stability there. Um, so I think we'll see Greer. I, I'm not convinced at this stage from what I've read that, that Cam Newton is, go, is going to be yeah. okay because of the shoulder. But again, you look at the backup and you think, he could be okay. So it, you, you're not trailing out an old guy who's, you know, Chad Henney or, you know, somebody like that. You what, yeah, what, what, you have, what you have to remember is the majority of times the backup is not Nathan Peterman at the Bills. <laughs> he is actually going to be serviceable. He might not be magic. He might not do the, the unexpected or the unbelievable. So if you've got a veteran kind of core, you've got a good defence, you've got an intelligent coaching staff, you've got the ability to run the ball, you've got a line that can open holes, you're still serviceable in your season. You're, you're not completely bust and um, watching college football to see who you're going to be running up to the podium number one next season. Which coach is it that says, I don't expect my backup quarterback to win me games, I just don't want him to lose me games? And I think that's the mantra we hear from actually quite a lot of them. Don't be a hero, don't turn the ball over, you know, we'll trust the rest of our offence, just you, you know, 
get the thing moving enough without but trying see, to that, be a that's superstar. One, that's one thing I don't understand because I would say that maybe two thirds of the the teams in this league are, are happy with the quarterback they've got. I'm not going to say delighted, but they're happy. They think he's going to win them games, but. With so much focus, so much money, so much of the team going through that player or that position, when it comes to the draft, why is it they're going to the fifth and the sixth round to pick up their backup quarterback? Why are they not drafting him in the first round if he's there, like Baltimore Ravens did with Lamar Jackson? If it's And because it doesn't cost as much money now, and if you take him in the first round, you get that fifth-year option, you can have two essentially rookie or... Um, lower kind of year quarterbacks on your roster for a third of what it would cost to have a, a franchise quarterback on your roster. Well, I argued on here that the Cardinals should just keep Josh Rosen because he's got experience of playing in the NFL. And if Kyler Murray is fabulous and flies, great. If he's getting smacked to smithereens, chuck Rosen out there to take the hits for a little while. Because again, it's as cheap as chips from, from that point of view. No, totally. I am... Um... The one player that we haven't mentioned that comes to mind as a bad backup is Geno Smith, of course, is now at the Seattle Seahawks. And it's interesting in teams like the Cardinals and the Seahawks that are sort of playing air raid, that's a hard backup to get a player for that position as well. So to your point, I think you're right. You go and get someone, the position's valuable enough that you can go and take someone in the first round and park them and let them learn, but know that they can come in and play into that system. Geno Smith in the air raid is just giving away the ball. Um, I can't see him coming into that Seattle team and doing anything even close to what Russell Wilson does. Um, the only other thing that I'd pick you up on is you said, obviously, in San Francisco, we've got no backup plan to Jimmy Garoppolo going down. But we've got about 24 running backs now. So what they're going to do is just spray that ball about and it's going to be scatterdash. They're just going to pike it to someone and run and hope for the best. That's the Jimmy Garoppolo back. If I was going to argue with myself about having, you know, a younger backup that you think could come in, uh, we've only got to remember when Aaron Rodgers got taken out. Uh, was it Deshaun Kaiser? Now, he is listed, <laughs> bizarrely, on the all-time list of top Green Bay quarterbacks at number 36 <laughs> of 44. So, that I, I, I just, <laughs> you think, who's worse than him? They had a guy called Joe Francis... Uh, who played in 1958? Blair Kyle, <laughs> Doug Peterson. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's a little bit above him, but I was I was trying to get to the bottom of the list. Uh, Jim Del Gazio, uh, who played in 1973, uh, was not well appreciated. Apparently, in fact, the list goes on. I thought it was just to 44, but it goes on a little bit more. They had Bullet Baker back in 1929 and 28 that they didn't quite appreciate. But it, it's interesting that. You know, there there was a guy that actually the Packers genuinely believed was a player that and that could actually come in and be serviceable and, well, prove not to be, perhaps. So, right, time to sum this up then and discuss who we think is going to be pick one, pick two, and pick three in the 2020 NFL draft. Um, as our semi-regular guest, Ian, you can start. I think we're going to have to go with Miami because... I think they want to finish last, <laughs> as it looks like. So I think it has to be. It has to be them. And two, you've got to see Washington just based on the the, the quarterback situation there, um, and it is a strong strong division in the East, kind of traditionally. So I think it would have to be Washington. And then pick 
Uh, I'm going to go for the Vikings. I think bold. they're going to collapse. Wow. Some bold picking there. Paul, I'll let you go next. Yeah, thank you. I, I am going to stick my neck out and say for the unprecedented third year running, the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> are at one. Now, that would be something. And I'll tell you what, if they are at one, they really shouldn't be looking to take another quarterback. There's something about Miami that, that smells off. Now, they've either got a madcap plan and everything's going to come good. But you have to say at the moment, just actually looking at it, I would put Miami at two. My NFC South hat on, I'm very tempted to go with the Bucks because I'm not convinced about their, their offensive state. But I think their defence might win them a few games. I was also thinking on the way to do the podcast, who is worse between the Redskins and the Giants? You know, the Redskins have got a fairly experienced bunch. There's not too many rookies that will be expected to start. New York go into it with a constant question about Eli, Eli, Eli. And and there's just something there. I think, you know, that could be the bounce of a ball. It could be it could be anything that goes I, I, in I, I think Saquon's good enough to win a couple of games in his well, own. That's the thing. Is, is, is he good enough? So... And the other team that I'm, I'm very suspicious of, and you've mentioned them, is the Raiders. Because I have no idea at the moment whether John Gruden is the completely mad scientist that he has concocted something special going for players of character in the draft or whether he is just flipped and they just want to get out of Oakland with a bad record and off to Las Vegas. So, But I have to pick a third one. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bucks. Cheap shot. Um, so, <laughs> I um, I've got the Dolphins as number one. Uh, I think that yeah, the quarterback situation, uh, the quarterback situation, and the, just the lack of talent there uh, is going to be a problem. Um, new head coach as well. I think it's a case of take the season on the chin and build on from there. I think that the Cardinals will pick at number two next year. I think that they'll make some progress under Murray, but there's still a lack of quality there that is a concern um and then it's a, <laughs> the team that's number three is the one that i keep flipping over because it really could be anyone after this it's not going to be the bengals though so not one of us have mentioned the bengals in the bottom three so bengals fans there you go that's our gift the nfl scotland podcast gift to you is you're not going to be one of the three worst teams in the division um i'm actually going to follow suit with the buccaneers I think that there is a... I still think that Winston's got problems. I think that he's not got his head right now. Bruce Arians might be able to turn it around. Um, but, you know, they're talking about Ronald Jones as the running back that seems to be getting the hype. Now, he was straight stinking last year, didn't even make most of the squads most of the weeks. So if he's the player that's coming through... Mike Evans is a great player there. Um, they've obviously brought in Sue um, on the defensive side. They've lost McCoy. I think that's a big loss. Um, Clever pickup by the Panthers, though. I always love it. If you, e even if he doesn't play all that much, I just think there's something psychological about picking up somebody who's caused you problems for years, and is is potentially still a good player, and will for those two games against Tampa, if nothing else, is going to really be trying his heart out. So I think that's a good. Well, he's, pick he's, up. he's playing alongside short defensive tackle and he's got Keekley behind him at inside linebacker you're you're not running in Carolina <laughs> next season so so yes yeah, so that's my three we've got Finns Cardinals Buccaneers 
Can you imagine if the Cardinals did actually get the first pick in the draft? Can you imagine how much they could ransom that off for? Because Tua looks like he's coming out of Alabama next season. Herbert could be coming out of Oregon. You could have uh, the quarterback coming out of Georgia. I think that's Jake. I want to say Jake Fromm. Um, and there's probably going to be a couple more that that kind of come to the fore as well. It it could be one of those. It, the when um, if you think of the draft hall that the the Browns got from the Eagles for uh, Carson Wentz, it'll be something along that kind of line if you are a team like Arizona who think you've got your quarterback but you still had a bad season Absolutely, right moving on from there, tickets season tickets went on general sale for the Wembley games as we record this we are the night before Christmas, the night before the Spurs tickets finally make their way into general purchase and it is a free for all frenzy to come Uh, it's not gone particularly well again though no, I think the NFL have to be disappointed again. And I think it'd be easy to kick the NFL UK about it, but I think the choice of ticketing partner does have to be looked at because, again, um, an inordinate amount of tickets suddenly appear on StubHub. Now, I know some people have been buying the season ticket to go to one game and immediately want to transfer, but there does seem to be, it seems to be a bit icky. Um, I, I'm still, and I've said it on previous podcasts, and I'll say it again, I'd like to see a ticket registration scheme where you register your name and address and the people who are going to take these tickets and there's got to be some exchange and then you just show ID as you go into the game. We already have gone from walking into Wembley Stadium with bags, rucksacks and everything. We've had that cut back to little bags. We've got security as we go through. Just showing somebody your driving licence that matches with your ticket, I don't think we'd add anything in particular, so I'd still like to see us go down that route. The the Spurs tickets, there was all sorts of rumblings last year that there was going to be problems, and certainly the first game, things being kept back, and, you know, I'll tell you what, every VIP that wants to get in will get in, because it's that kind of thing, it's going to be the first one there, and I think it's unfortunate that it's, it's Raiders Bears, two big fan bases in the UK. Yeah, the, I, don't, I don't have an issue with people... Um, getting the season tickets and then wanting to, to move a couple on but I, I do have an issue with them charging more than face value for the tickets Absolutely. I think that's immoral you, you can understand like the tickets are, are expensive and, and people are desperate to see their team and that's why they might want to get the, the season tickets Cameron, you, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was you talked about what the booking fee was Yeah, £24 Now, they did screw that up um, now, when I say they screwed up the booking fee, they screwed it up because they charged some people for it and not others. So to be fair, the NFL UK came out with a message. They'd spoken to Ticketmaster, who were at fault, um, and they sorted it out so that everybody who bought them on that first day had their booking fee waived. I've already had it back. So that £24 has already come back onto my credit card. So I can't complain about that. If that was the booking fee straight up, though, that's an extortionate booking fee. And that's, I mean, that's 100% Ticketmaster. That's how they're making their money off this. They're then charging postage. So it was an additional £28, all said and done, pretty much, just for the benefit of buying the tickets and having them posted to my house. Now, there's no way there's that much admin involved in the organisation of this event. A paper ticket that comes through the post in one envelope, um, 
And then there's going to be another booking fee if you then go and buy the season ticket at Tottenham as well. So I agree. I think that Ticketmaster are more at fault. You can take aside the whole thing about the loyalty with the NFL UK, right? And there's people have issues with that. And that I, I can see both sides to that. I am right now quite firmly on the fence. And until there's more information on that, that's where I'm going to stay. Um, but I think that, yeah, Ticketmaster continually disappoint. People stuck in queues, people not getting through. When the season tickets went on general sale, there was a, about two hours of issues, people getting through eventually, and then the basket failing. So then they, they thought they had their ticket, went to pay it and couldn't pay it. So then NFL UK put a message out saying, we've had issues today, you can now go on, it's all been rectified. But thankfully, I haven't seen many people tweeting to say that they completely missed out when they wanted them. Um I think there's people still very concerned about single game tickets. There have been people trying to move on their tickets that they can't use already. We've retweeted a couple, but only those people that are selling at face value, because I agree with you completely. I've got no problem with people selling it on at face value. If that's what works for you, that's what works for you. We had to do it last year, and we there was three of us going to the first game and only two could make the second. So we managed to sell the other one on at face value and was happy to do it. Um, so we will retweet anybody that's got tickets and we will help people try and find them. I've got my fingers crossed that I can get a couple of season tickets tomorrow though as well. Can I just say that if you are buying season tickets, certainly somebody offering via Twitter, there's a couple of things you should do. One, check how many followers they have and when they joined. Because I know of a group who got done last year uh, what they thought, you're desperate for tickets, and they bought somebody who had about three or four followers, hadn't long been on Twitter. You take things at face value and at good faith and they got done for tickets so and I know people want desperately to get tickets but just be a bit savvy especially you're on Twitter it's do you, do you know what I think would be fair and I, I think the, the, there's a way of doing this because I'm pretty sure when you register with the NFL or NFL UK you're asked what team is your favourite team the the people in this country who are fans of the Raiders or the Bears or whatever they get first dibs on the tickets so then once you have the fans of that franchise are able to go then everybody else gets um, in because it, it's that's where the panic starts setting in. People are desperate because it does. It, what the, the average must be what once maybe every twelve years if you're not the the Jags or one of the other kind of incredibly friendly franchises about seeing your team over here. You really want to do that, but there's also other people, fans of the other thirty one. So thirty two teams in the NFL. Yeah. Got that right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still way back in the 1920s. The six teams was it the Georgia Yellow Jacket Pine Tars. I'm still they talking about the, the, the Ducatar Steelies. <laughs> um, yeah, you get all the other fans are piling in as well. So I think that's where there's so much, and that's what causes I think the such so the the jamming that that takes place essentially on Ticketmaster. It'd be interesting to ask the NFL UK. I think they might have underestimated the appetite for people going to all four games. Even if it's 10,000 people, they might have thought, well, not everybody's going to go to every game. But for some people, the, the NFL is their obsession, um, especially if you're living down in England and, and not up here where flights are involved or long train travel. There will be people in London and the South East, huge population base. There will be people that want to go to all four. And I, they may... I might be doing them a disservice, but they may have miscalculated that. One thing I'm really looking forward to is all the, the tweets once people uh, realise what the distance is between the closest train station and the Tottenham Stadium, plus the incredibly terrifying um, ramshackle estate that they have to meander through to try and get to it. <laughs> 
it can't be as bad as the stadium as Azerbaijan. At least once you get into the stadium, you'll be able to see the action rather than the Europa League final, which, <laughs> you know, the, the Europa League final, I mean, it was so big behind the goals, they could actually put one of these huge football strips behind each goal. It was just incredible. I just thought there was a shuttle bus. They could actually fit another stadium inside the stadium. Yeah. That's how kind of cavernous it was. But I think everybody wants to go to the first game at Spurs just to experience it. And I think there's also, or you want to go to just one of the games, especially if you've been going to Wembley all the time, you want to get that chance to see it at what is, we are told, a custom-built NFL stadium. Um, and I think there'll be great interest from the States as well. So that that's another interesting factor. But yeah, good luck to people trying to get tickets. I think it's going to be a, an interesting day. And a few people getting in touch with us as well to say that they're mostly concerned about the Bears tickets. Lots of Bears fans, lots of Raiders fans. Um, and I think that this is it. People are nervous. We'll see how tomorrow goes. I think there'll be a rush of people on there. If you're looking for single game tickets, there will be some made available, so they're not going to completely sell out the stadium uh, tomorrow. But it is a lottery and you just got to hope for the best. So we wish everybody all the best of luck with that one. Keep letting us know how you get on uh, and we'll share anything that we can to let other people know how they're managing to get their tickets. Now, we had a quick catch-up earlier on um, with Tim Monk um, because we're going to talk a little bit now about playing the game here in the UK. So we caught up with Tim, and this is what he had to say. So joined to discuss that, we have from the Full 10 Yards podcast and from the Dunfermline Kings, Tim Monk. Good evening, Tim. Good evening. How are we doing? Good, good. So start off, first of all, by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do for the Dunfermline Kings. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm actually relatively new to the, to the Kings as well. I play uh, wide receiver. Uh, Dunfermline Kings are, you know, they've been around for a couple of years, but uh, say like most teams up, up this way, uh, always looking to recruit. Can never have uh, enough players with the uh, the injuries involved in the game. And for anyone that isn't aware of the Dunfermline Kings, then this is full contact, full armor, the whole shebang. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, for, for, uh, helmets and it's it's all, all the kits supplied uh, as well. So that's always good. For, you know, there's quite a lot of. Uh, misconception that uh, it costs a lot to join. You know, some people do like their own their own kit, their own helmet, their own pads. Obviously, what I have, but so uh, yeah, it can be uh, for some teams quite cheap to to get into. Um, but yeah, the, we do have flag teams and a youth team as well. If you don't quite fancy the full the full blown uh, go the full hog, um, but yeah, the, the Kings are a, a full contact um, full, full body armor team. So give us a little bit of context then about the Kings. Where do they play? You know, obviously you're recruiting at the moment, so you're not playing competitively this year. What's the plans for the team? Yeah, absolutely. So we play over at uh, Dalek Leza Centre, which is over by the uh, the Tesco's uh, big field over that way. Um, we, we, we are currently going through the associate process, so we will be doing full scrimmages, full games. We, play, we played a game on, on um, not an associate game, but we played a full scrimmage against the Highland Stags uh, just a Sunday gone, so and that, that's, that's, that's great. Um, but obviously, the, the idea is to get into the league next year, um, but to do that... We need to go through the, the associate process this season, so we'll be playing uh, four games with referees uh, who will assess you know, how good we are, um, hopefully to, to be inducted into, into the league next year. And what sort of, what could someone expect if they're coming along? You know, what, what level of skill are you looking for? What attributes do you need? What will people do if they come along to take part? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, the, the beauty of the American football is you can you can be any shape, any size. You know, I'm five foot seven and, and barely ten and a half stone. So, um, you know, everyone always perceives American football as you know big guys. Obviously, if you've been watching the NFL, you know, you need to be two hundred plus pounds, six foot five. Uh, you know, that's that's not the case. You can be any shape, any size, and any ability as well. I mean, I've only been playing. 
American football for, for six months, it, it maybe a bit more. Um, so even if you're a rugby player or maybe you're a soccer player or someone that just wants to try something different, you don't. all you need to bring along with you is a pair of boots and a gum shield and say we've got fantastic coaches who will teach you all the, all the basics and all the fundamentals to, to keep yourself safe um, first and foremost. And say so we've, got, we've got great guys here who, you know, like me, have only been there a couple of months and, and still learning. And even the, even the professionals uh, still learn every, every training session they do. So it uh, can be any, any, any experience required. Uh, don't, don't feel like if you haven't played before, you're not, you're not welcome. And what sort of things will people do in these uh, sort of training sessions that the team are having? What sort of, is it drills? Is it scrimmage? Is it plays? Is it, you know, what sort of activities will people do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you are if you are a newbie, you'll you'll go through some drills first, and then you know initially about tackling again, just to make sure that you're you're keeping yourself safe when when you're on the field. Um, but yeah, initially we, we start off with drills, and you know for, for wide receivers, we'll we'll run um, routes, and the the quarterback will throw to us, and sometimes we'll have defenders there and not to for, for drills. But then at the end, we'll we'll put that all together in in a, in a scrimmage, uh, offense versus defense, and it's say it's just a just good good bit of fun. And then you say yourself, obviously, five foot seven, but you've yep. been able to, to do pretty well with and get into the game. So height doesn't matter. You know, five foot seven, Nikel Roby Coleman obviously made the, the, <laughs> the headlines last year. He's, he's exactly the same height as you. That's it. No, that's it. No, so you can take take all sizes. There. There's a place. There's a place for everyone uh, in in American football, which is which is the beauty. So if you're someone that's maybe not as athletic as someone like myself, you know, maybe a bit of a linebacker or you know a, a lineman. Uh, but you know, there's there's plenty of roles to suit with plenty of different uh, types of, of people. Brilliant. So anyone wanting to take part in one of these sessions, how can they find out more and what do they need to do? Yeah, that's, uh, you can you get in contact with me on on, uh, on Twitter at Tim underscore Monk eighty five, or you can just uh, search Lanfernan Kings on, on Facebook there, uh, and one of the guys uh, give us a message and, and we'll get you we'll get you down. Uh, and yeah, we've got some taster sessions coming up as well. We've got one this Sunday on the 9th between twelve and two o'clock, and also the twenty third of June uh, as well. But yeah, if you if you maybe not too sure and you maybe want a bit more information, either get in contact with the, the Kings on Facebook, search their page, or get in contact with me as well, and uh, I'm, I'll be sure to have a have a chat with you and um, answer any questions you might have absolutely brilliant Tim thanks for coming on and telling us a little bit about it and hopefully you get some people turning up for training at the next event no absolutely really appreciate you give me a couple minutes there to, to, to come on and, and, and uh, advertise us really appreciate it so a good catch up there with Tim it sounds very very passionate it's another new team springing up but I mean I'm not one to talk about how the game's played in this country Ian's got the experience of doing that have you been encouraged by the growth in the number of teams that you've seen? Um, yes and no. I mean, I know of a team that's that's folded as, as well recently. I think the West Coast Trojans have folded. It, it's a, a constant cycle. Part of it is the amount of time and effort that goes into the administration of the team, the funding the teams need as well because equipment is so expensive. Uh, people kind of drift in and out of the, the game as well. Um, it is good to see teams cropping up, but you really do hope that they can last. Uh, if anybody's old enough to remember the, the late 80s and early 90s, I mean, that was the, the kind of heyday for, for gridiron in this country when people were actually paying to go along and, and watch the games and American imports were deliberately being brought over and paid to, to play football in, in this country. It would be good if it got back to that. I don't don't know if I, I ever would, but it's it's always encouraging. Um, I know, for example, I found out actually that potentially the one of the schools that my son can go to once he starts going to secondary school has a flag football team attached to it. 
Um, so he's probably going to get steered towards that school. I don't care about things like examination <laughs> results and stuff like that. Just, what kind of, What's kind their flag of, football team like? Yeah, um, and and as I've never really kind of seen that um, associated. Yeah. There was programmes when the Claymores were up and running um, and a lot of the coaches that were involved with the flag programme moved over to still trying to coach youth uh, but with no official support and it, it did dwindle. But it's good if, if the kids are, are starting to kind of get into that. Absolutely. So just to cover again, though, for anyone that isn't aware, the teams that we've got playing contact football here in Scotland, uh, and this is on the men's side, there are some women's teams as well. Um, I know of at least two, but we'll come on to them in a minute. But on the men's side, and um, the Premier North, you've got the Edinburgh Wolves who are playing in the top division in the UK. Uh, NFC 1 North, you've got the East Kilbride Pirates, the Aberdeen Roughnecks, the Glasgow Tigers, and then you come down to the NFC 2 North where you've got Clyde Valley Blackhawks, Dumfries Hunters, Inverclyde Goliaths, and then obviously we've got the Dunfermline Kings coming through. You've got the Dundee Hurricanes who've previously played as well. Um, They've taken a couple of years out and hopefully they're going to come back. I'm not sure what their current status is. Um, But, you know, do check out your local team. Go along and and watch them. And you've got the University League as well. You've got um, a whole host of university teams, very enthusiastic um, people that, that play that game as well. And we've got the Edinburgh women's team as well, who've been very successful. You've also got the East Coast Bride Pirates now have a women's team. And if you saw the video that we shared on YouTube with Paul Stewart, who's the East Coast Bride uh, player and a Dallas Cowboys fan, and um, the Dallas Cowboys shared that brilliant video. It was a good 15 minutes of content there where we got to see what Paul's been up to, and that's absolutely amazing. So, you know, the women's team's on the growth as well. Do check out that video with Paul. Do check out your local team as well. But Ian, having played the game, what, what attributes do people need to have? to be able to play the game in the UK and in Scotland? Enthusiasm. That's that's essentially all you need. Um, the, the teams will take in people of all sorts of abilities, size, um, age, uh, gender. Um, I've, had, I've, I've played a, a couple of games where women were playing in the opposing team and we were actually um, so bereft of misogyny, we were all trying to hit the woman, as much as we possibly could, to show that we weren't sexist. That's the sort of kind of gentleman that we were. Um, I applaud you for it. Every, if, if you're going to be, tr- if you want to be treated the same, we should all all go the same. Absolutely, well done. Right, we'll pull that one back from the abyss. Um, <laughs> um, but certainly in flag football, that happens a lot. There's a lot of the teams are um, unisex, and and it's great. It's it's predominantly friendly. It's competitive, but it's friendly. So if you don't fancy the contact and the hitting, there's loads of flag teams out there as well that people can get involved in. Yes, definitely. I was actually able to go over to, to Europe and play, um, and that is that's with having no uh, ability um, or, or even a passport, as I found out. At the airport, <laughs> I was, I was, sta- I was just standing at the check-in desk looking at the passport going, why do I look like my wife? <laughs> and that sudden realisation that uh, I've picked up her passport instead. So, Were, yes, were uh, they expecting your wife as well? They probably actually would have done better if she played, definitely. Um, but I mean, for, for somebody who's incredibly average playing ability, I was able to go over to Rome and play in a, a European tournament. There's tournaments uh, every year in Germany and teams over here are excited to go over and, and play. You'll get, if you play kitted as well, you get lots of opportunities. You can get down to England for some of the uh, finals. Um, and 
if you're if you're good, like one of the other guys you had on the the podcast, you can go over to Czech Republic and play Sweden, Germany. They've got lots of leagues over there, and it's I think they're semi-professional some of them. So absolutely. So this summer, if you're sitting there thinking, "Ooh, I'm going to spend hours researching for my fantasy football team," or you're thinking, "I'm actually going to go out and play some football," do the latter. Uh, fantasy football is great, but yeah, playing the game is definitely an experience. I managed to get one season out of it um, with the Midlothian Sabres playing flag. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And anyone that's seen me knows that I'm five foot eight and five foot eight wide. Um, you know, I'm not a body built for speed or physique, but it was great fun. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, well, both why, ankles. Why but, don't you know. Why don't we let the fans of the podcast be the judge of that? And we'll post a picture of Cameron shirtless. <laughs> And see <laughs> how many likes we can get for it. Or how many followers we lose. That's very <laughs> how quickly it's reported for abusive yeah, I was, content. Yeah, I, I, I was just checking Twitter's guidelines for abusive content. I'm not convinced we'll get away with that. I thought you were going to suggest that the NFL Scotland team form a flag football team, but I, th- I think that's possibly a step too far. And just, just on size of receivers, a little naughty in the interview with Tim, by the way, about bringing up old Robbie Coleman being five foot seven. That was naughty. Any excuse. That was uh, you know that was meant for you. It was. It was. So while we're talking, just so just a little bit of news. So we'll stay with the Rams. Interesting that the Rams have come out. Obviously, Todd Gurley's got a problem with his knee, so they've come out and they said that they've developed a new program for him. Um, you know, to help get him through the next few months. You might have heard of it. It's called a deck chair. Because that's pretty much what he's going to be sitting in. I can do without all this guff from the Rams. If he's got a problem, come out and say so and get the guy looked after. This is starting to get a little bit tiresome if you're a Rams fan, talking about reducing his workload and, you know, we're not sure what he's going to be. He was unfit for the Super Bowl, clearly, and we've still not had a proper explanation. We, 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 we talked about that before the Super Bowl. Yeah. We were, as we were saying, there's something definitely not right with this guy and we don't know what it is. And this, this is, I think this is being very disrespectful to their fan base. I think it's being disrespectful to the players. To start talking about guys, what, 24, 25, 40-odd, 50 touchdowns in the last two years, talk about reducing his workload to look after him and things like that. I'm not hearing this about really any other running back. I'm not hearing any other running back, especially of an age. You know, you're not hearing that Adrian Peterson's, you know, sitting by the, the pool while Washington are going to go through their drills and things like that. There's, there's something up there and the possibility is they may have to draft another side judge. That's the way it goes. <laughs> ah, the cheap shots. I was just going to say Frank Gore still punching them in at the age of 57. So, you know, absolutely. absolutely. Well, JHI is in the same boat as well. They think he's got a degenerative uh, knee condition and, and he, he was struggling once free agency hit. Yeah. Um, the, the Eagles, I, I don't think, were interested at all, especially after he, he tore his, his knee ligaments. But, it's I mean, it's a serious worry. If He's already been paid, though. I mean, he's had that second contract. So he's got financial security. I'm wondering if they're actually, what they're talking about as a form of legal ease that appeases the union, that doesn't get them sued, that doesn't put them on the hook for more guaranteed money in the contract. It's probably all very, very carefully scripted what they're, they're coming out with. And also running back news, Darren Sproles apparently is interested in returning to the New Orleans Saints, which I'm all for because it would give me two brand new jerseys, <laughs> which would be great. Bring my jersey back up to date. 
Brilliant. Well, that's what happened with lots of Eagles fans. They're excited that Foles came back. They're excited that Jackson came back just because they could bring out their, their old jerseys again. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for it. Absolutely all for it. It's great. Can I give you, just before we close, a couple of great things? How do you know that you're in the closed season? Well, you've just got to look at some of the headlines doing the rounds. So I love this. Vaughn Miller from Denver. Quarterback Flacco looks like a Super Bowl MVP. Now, that's really the only type of story you're going to get in June, isn't it? Did, did he not win the yeah. Super Bowl as MVP? <laughs> yeah, but he looks a bit like Aaron Rodgers because he's dyed his hair probably. So, <laughs> You know, it's just the kind of story that comes out at, at this time of year. And rookie quarterback Jones' running ability is impressing the Giants. That's to run away from people, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's all the stories that you get. You just think, Mm, you know, I know you've got to spin it. If you're, you know, on the social media, you're you're looking after, you know, teams' accounts. But you know, some of the things that that start to come out. I mean, it, it's June for goodness' sake, and Von Miller telling us that Flacco's already looking like a Super Bowl MVP quarterback. A whole new meaning to trash talk. Well, that concludes things for episode 54. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Again, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. Thanks to all of you who have been listening, sharing and chatting about the podcast. We continue to see the numbers grow every week. Please do keep sharing the podcast with all your NFL friends. Continue to let us know what you think. Great to have Ian with us again. Make sure that you check out your local team if you want to play or even go along and watch some football this summer. We'll be back again next week where we'll have details of our 2019 Pick'em competition, more info on our week one live event and some other exciting bits and pieces that we're working on. Good luck in getting your Spurs Stadium tickets. Do let us know how you get on. But until then, bye for now.